0: Can't get enough of Cthulhu in Cairo? Join our Patreon for as low as $3 per month to access special features and bonus content. You can find us online at patreon.com slash thebardiccollege. You're listening to a 7th edition Call of Cthulhu podcast titled Cthulhu in Cairo, brought to you by the Bardic College. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the show to receive notifications as our future episodes release. You can visit us on Facebook at The Bardic College. Viewer discretion is advised.
1: Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Bardic College Presents Cthulhu in Cairo. I'm Raz, I'll be your keeper this evening, and I'm joined by the whole team, and we have a pretty special episode for you because we have just encountered Arturo Giovanni, and as we left the team last time, they, uh, Aveline had fought off Doctor Mafucci. Uh, she had been wounded and injured, and was making her way back to the team that was holding off all the Ilfamilico uh, at Noemi's house, the estate on the island of Povaglia. And we were, we kind of were, we came back together, and we did that episode. And there was a lot of dice crunching. If you're a role player, you know what that's like. So what we thought we would do is take this episode and kind of give you the players' feelings, their thoughts. Their impressions of the fight, because I have to tell you, on uh, from my end, it was pretty epic, but it was a lot of numbers. So there were feelings that were going on for in each player's head. There was a lot of texts flying that you didn't see or hear. I thought tonight we would take a chance and let the players kind of discuss it. And I'll go highlight stuff. Uh, we're not gonna go, you know, step by step, but we are gonna give the overall general feel of it so that you at home can can kind of get. A more intimate look into a gaming group when something like a boss fight happens so let's start off real quick with Aveline so we talked about at the beginning of the episode uh, you know Dr. Mafucci fell uh Aveline took that fateful shot as she was sinking in the the box that he had created underneath her with this lesser magic that I mean Arturo's magic was far more dangerous but Mafuchi's did very well And as she's sinking, she chose not to try to, you know, she was going to go down if she had to. And she took the shot, she killed him. And then she runs back. So Aveline, Kayla, how bad was Aveline at that point? I mean, you had taken some damage, you would taken some wounds. Were you worried about her survival at that point? Or did you, were you pretty much feeling that job done, now the rest of the team can handle the big stuff?
2: She definitely felt in survival mode at that point. Because the big job of Aveline as a character, and has always been, is to be sneaky and cunning with her, like, stuff and her plans. Like, literally, she was down to 7 HP, less than half. She wasn't doing all that great. And I just clicked through some pages on my notebook, so forgive the page turning. Yeah, survival mode. She went into the bushes. She tried to hide. Did, wouldn't move a muscle because, at the end of the day, as a vigilante, she's more shadow, cloak, and dagger kind of fighter. She can... throw a punch and shoot somebody any day but it's more i'd rather be in i'd rather be very hidden while i do it so nobody knows it's me
1: right yeah well that was that was self-preservation in a way but that's we're talking about just the back run back to the house so you run back to the house Catherine immediately starts patching you up scott this is where i believe it was either you or sid called out that for the book right uh the negotiations with noemi kick in Did that go as easily as you thought? Was it pretty fluid there? I I mean, I know there were some roles involved, but how did you think Noemi was going to react when you asked for the book?
3: I was, uh, honestly, I I felt pretty positive. Um, Maybe uh, John can be a little pie in the sky sometimes. And uh, I I think he kind of felt like there was... uh, an accord going on with Noemi, you probably should never really get that comfortable with a vampire. Right. Um, so, <laughs> but, um, you know, he's like, hey, this all makes sense. You know, we've helped her, we're helping her you know her loved one and you know maybe there's some sort of resolution or or something that can happen and and uh and and helping her you know her significant other who's residing in the box you know we're we're helping her escape this horrible existence she has that her brothers put her under i mean we're nothing but bringing you know bringing the good news to her so why wouldn't she want to help us so i had a pretty positive feeling i felt like well this should be a no-brainer but um in hindsight I probably, you know, John should is probably thinking he um, needs to uh, needs to you know think about that a little bit more and you know think about who he's who he's working with or discussing things with and how dangerous they may be. Really,
1: the the Noemi for you guys was the right call. It wasn't this. It wasn't the simplest call. It would have been much easier just to help Arturo kick her ass or show that she was plotting to kill him. But in the end, you know, hopefully the changes are going to be long term, and you were playing a longer game, which yeah. made sense for the team in general, trying to go back to 1931. Yeah. Uh, so, Sid, there is a moment in the in an earlier episode that the you know the people are going to hear where Aveline sneaks off. Everybody's kind of trying to. They're yelling about you know it's a plague island and we got to get Noemi under control. There's a thousand things. There's a thousand moving parts right now at this point in the story, and all of them could go. You know tits up and just blow up in your face. And everybody's really focused on not getting sick, which obviously there's a plague, right? When nobody wants that. And Aveline breaks off. And this is a big moment because Sid is really the only voice that stands there and says, this is the way it's going to have to be. We, you know, Once in a while, this is going to have to happen. So what was going through Sid's mind at that point? But this is going back a little bit further, but it does set up a, a, a special moment between Sid and Aveline. You
4: know, up until this point... You know, everybody sort of has a mode that they operate in, and I think that Sid had become very aware that uh, Aveline was someone who couldn't, con- who couldn't, and did not want to be controlled in any way. And so there were situations where, if you would say, "Do not do this," she would absolutely do it. That, you know, whether that's true or not, that was his perception.
2: Damn so straight. So in,
4: in that situation, I felt like I couldn't protect her from herself because she wouldn't allow that. And I think Sid has really converted, has really changed and really become a very big protector sort of character in a lot of ways. And he cares for a lot of these characters. So I think what Sid did was Sid made that decision where, listen, I can't control her. I have to protect everybody else as best I can. The best way to do that is to pretend I didn't see her, let her go, and then everyone else be safe. Because if everybody chased after her, then now all of their lives are in danger, too. So I think it was it was a uh, more of a resignation, and probably an acceptance, which I had not done until that point. An acceptance of Aveline for who she really is, right? Versus who, like you know, because everybody really, in a in a sense, wants to pigeonhole everyone around them into a certain role that they feel they are. And I think that maybe I had done that to an extent with Aveline too, not really fully accepting what she is. And the ramifications of that, you know, and, and what leads into that, whatever her backstory might be. So, I think there was some sadness, definitely, in her going off. But then I think there was also just that resignation of I have to con- I have to try to help and protect those I can.
3: Yeah,
1: that and it it was a big moment because it's it's character development. You know, a lot of times as as role players, this whole troop will would would easily tell you, listeners, if and if you've ever been part of a team, there's always going to be those moments when there's. Oh, hell no. Like, everybody plants their feet in the sand. Catherine has one every episode. If you just go back through the 23, you'll hear them easily. Hey! Um, I'm sorry. Just, but. What the heck? Everybody's got that. I'm planting my feet like Henrietta Hippo, and I'm not going to let go because I mean, you know, this is one I just can't let go of, and that's fine. But. She has convictions. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's convictions. But there's also, and, and, but the RP that comes out of those moments. While intense and can feel bitey as players because we always want to get along, sometimes it has to happen for the story because it, it grows. And I thought that Sid moment grew Sid a lot. And it showed Aveline he trusted her. Uh, the group trusts her. But it, it was really a moment where you're like, wow, okay. You know, that made sense that Sid would kind of turn the other cheek and go, listen, <laughs> I get it. You're going to do what you're going to do. I can't stop you and I'm not going to fight about it. So it was, just, it was just an interesting dichotomy of play. So, Aveline gets back, gets patched up Catherine does her thing, which was great And now the run for the for the boat happens With Davina, the lady in the box And the book We hide them in there And Catherine, don't you know You see a couple of kids hiding in the shrubs Let's talk about one of those plant your feet moments Because it almost happened right there again What was going through Catherine's mind When she saw the rugrats in the bushes Come out and say "Senore," Like, you know, like A lady, how are
5: you? You Well, let me tell you, she wasn't too happy about it, if truth be told, because, you know, I feel like Catherine's had it rough in Venice, okay? She's had it rough, and a lot has been asked of her. Her main priority, you know, make sure nobody gets the plague, make sure we all get back to our time safely. Mm -hmm. And Aveline really put the group in immense amounts of danger by going off and getting these kids and that's how Catherine saw it and it was like look we 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 basically told you not to after you know two days prior I was told not to do something that was in my personal interest or Mm -hmm. to pursue an avenue that was in my personal her personal interest right character person blending you know at the end of the day she is a nurse these are kids I mean pediatrics isn't her specialty or anything but, you know, you can spare the kids some antibiotics and hope to God we don't die.
1: <laughs> and hope to God we don't pay for that for the rest of our lives. So, I get you. Yeah, there's um, there, there are moments like that in the game. And we tend to, you know, at, for team dynamic, sometimes decisions are made where, you know, we just got to move, we got to go, or we have to do this or that. And you, you do. Everyone always hopes that you fall in line. And that's why plans are so rigid religiously discussed prior to implementing them and i think in rp groups it's it's always a little bit unnerving when when one character does decide to you know zig when they should have zagged but uh i thought you played that really well i thought the rp was interesting there you still were being very much a catherine you know worrying about your group your team these you know these kids are going to be dead by the time we get back yes but to aveline it was just so important Faye, so the team now runs down towards the docks and sure enough, don't you see that the, uh, you know, the barge coming in, the barge with Arturo is getting fairly close. And if I, re- the way I remember the whole thing playing out, I started asking where was everybody want to stand? You were not the first person to speak up, but you were the first person to climb a tree. What was going through Faye's mind?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, let's think about it. It's Faye could get on a any sort of higher ground or just have an excuse to climb a tree or just do something. That's just a little bit wacky. She's going to do it. Um, But in that moment, you know, I was definitely thinking, I need to get up on higher ground. Like obviously Arturo is stronger than us. He's faster than us. Like I need some sort of advantage and Faye's really good at, she's very quick. Uh, She's very nimble. Like she can get in and out of a place very quickly so she was thinking, you know what, if I can go up this tree and if I can get a couple shots in and then swing like a monkey onto Arturo's back, then I can do that.
1: And that was... So even even in this terrible situation, after being warned over and over again by the sister that he's a dangerous man, that this is not a fight that's going to be easy, loading guns, you took to the tree to get close with this man? That was still the ultimate... Faye Dawson' idea was: no. I think I want to scrap a couple rounds with Mohammed Giovanni I mean, what, 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 You know, you didn't think just well, guns, left. guns, guns at that point.
0: I was thinking guns, guns, guns. Okay. But you know, if he gets close or if I run out of ammo, then I need a plan B. Choke-hole. And my plan B <laughs> Is it was choke-hole? to swing. Was to swing like a monkey down. And I am so quick. And I am so like. Agile and nimble, I could probably take him by surprise and do a little bit of damage, you know, before he throws me like a football.
1: Right. After the fight, do you still feel that it would have been the right call to jump down or you think staying up was good?
0: I think that staying up where I was was a good idea. However, I wish that I had thought, and this is such a fey thing to do, like just think a little bit more ahead, like how I could have helped more because I'm I'm a decent shot, but I'm not the best. However, I'm quick. And I could have run to get something. Yeah. Such as fire from the house that was <laughs> set ablaze. Right.
3: <laughs>
0: Oil, fire, you know, taking a stick with fire on it, thrown it at him. I think he would have liked that very much, but it would have done some damage. But I wish I just had a little bit more forethought.
1: There you go. So r- couple I want to just get a couple people's opinion on this. And this is give me like your best one-word answer for this noemi charges i'm gonna go right through the whole team on this one noemi charges arturo and she comes in and she she goes tries to give a couple and all of a sudden he makes eye contact and as she's running in Faye holds her shot she chooses not to shoot the first round she held with her like she was talking about she has this really high dexterity maneuver so uh number so she gets initiative every round like she's usually the first thing to go and fate chooses to hold for a moment. And then Arturo throws do- this a power that stops Noemi dead in her tracks. Just going to go down the line. We'll start with Scott. Scott, one word. Thought went through your head. Noemi's been nullified, neutralized, not a part of the fight. What did you think at that moment?
3: One word? Yeah. <laughs> Crap.
1: Okay. Aveline?
2: I, I guess it would be kind of like a mesh of words of, holy mother of that.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Catherine, one word to describe your feelings when Noemi stopped dead in her tracks and sat down like a puppy dog.
5: Well duck. <laughs> that was two words.
1: No, she hyphenated it. Faye? Typical. T- typical! Wow, as a keeper that hurts. Oh my god, that cuts deep. That was you predicted <laughs> <you do> that?
0: <laughs> Bitch! I predicted that. I have been playing. I have been playing with you. For over a decade. So I don't know why I didn't think it was going to happen. But I'm mad at myself for not guessing what was going to happen. So yes, my answer is.
1: No. Hmm. All right. And Sid, one word? Deflated. Deflated. Flaccid. Deflated. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Trying to keep this as family as possible. Oh, listen. I could tell you my one word elation but it but it didn't last (laughs) (laughs) lauren what, what were you gonna say
5: if i'm giving a more verbose answer um as the team mom Catherine was really hoping like yay we get to send the lesbian vampire after her brother and she's gonna be really angry and she's gonna take she's gonna be the tank and we'll just be the dps this is gonna be awesome and then when she's nullified right away it's like well duck my friends there goes that plan
1: there you go.
2: She was very upset.
1: So Arturo hits her with this one power and shots go off. Things start to happen. And he then hits John with an, a spell that was his biggest It actually in the game. I, my opener was to cause psychological damage and fear and make the group have to react to a boss fight. Right. Because right now the boss fights have been pretty much the cultists. That didn't go so well for them. Muller was a psychological scare. Really wasn't there to fight them, was more there to warn them. So it was sort of an anticlimactic boss fight because it was it was really more of a message that he was trying to send. And now this is this is it. Like this is the end of the chapter. It's Venice, it's been hell. And he throws drag to it literally the spell is called drag to hell. Ground starts to open up, hands start to reach up for Professor Scooley. And Scott, you made the role. How that must have been a huge relief.
3: Um, yeah, I was kind of curious to see what was going to happen just from a completely analytical point of view, but bad um, things. bad things <laughs> were gonna
4: happen. Bad, bad.
3: Hey, schoolie, uh, schoolie's uh, has got it.
1: Yeah, he he, <laughs> he rolled <clears throat> that save was amazing. So, the spell itself dragged to hell. Let me uh, that's an interesting thing that you said. What does that actually do? It's he only gets that one once a day, ground, ground open up. Hands pull it, uh, begin to pull you under. You have to make a save versus strength, which you did. You broke free. Should you fail that on the first round, you then have um, a minus twenty con check. And should you, f- and you're gonna have to take that three times as the hands are gripping and pulling at you. If he, gl- if he clutched you with the spell, and if you failed any one of the three rolls, you get pulled under.
3: So it was ended underground. Yeah. To the point where you're like suffocating. To
1: the point where you're like dying. Yeah,
3: like it's. Wow.
1: And now for every person that joins in, it adds to it adds to you being able to make the save, but it's all crushing damage as you're being pulled under. So yeah, it was it was you know it you were on the ground because let's let's real talk about that just for a moment and then we'll go further. Scott, you kept John on the ground, and who else was on the ground? Catherine, you right, or were you you were in a bush?
5: I was hiding in some shrubbery.
1: Right, and everybody else went tree side, treetop, right? Shrubbery.
2: I was in a shrub.
1: Oh, Aveline was in a shrub. So it was just six foot four Sid Poulter. So it was the mustache and Faye Dawson who decided to go sniper.
3: Right. (laughs) Well, I I was a great... He did
2: such a good job in Germany.
3: Right. I just wanted to see Sid climb a tree.
1: Oh, yeah, me too.
3: Is that kind of like oh, like yeah. walking up a couple of steps on a stairway? You know, you're just like, hmm, no, nah, I'm in the tree.
1: Well, it's like the gods must be crazy. The, the tree just slowly bends as the higher he gets. It just, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, right, right, right. right. Yeah. I, just like to,
0: I just like to imagine you have the tallest member of the team versus the shortest member of a team. You know, Faye in her five-foot-one glory just climbing up the tree like a spider monkey, and then you just have uh, sit up there just taking one step up, pulling and being like, okay, <laughs> we're here now.
1: Exactly, so so round two does not go well for Arturo uh, Noemi is still totally in his thrall nothing's happens. John has stepped out of the spell and he's forced because of the barrage. this was a round where everybody seemed to be hitting really well. Faye went ahead and shot people were pulling multiple times on the gun. Sid it, it, the fight seemed to be going really well at this point and then Arturo heals himself and has to use a lot of several of his blood points. Now, being a vampire player from the past, you realize there's a limited number that they have. As I tried to merge sort of the two systems for this part of the story, but when you saw him recoup a lot of that damage again, Sid had just bolted. You know, everybody was blamming shots into him. Did you feel pretty good at that point, like you had control of the fight, uh, that you guys were already ahead of the curve because he was on a healing round, or did you feel like, oh crap, he can heal. This is not going. He's not going to go down easy.
4: Well, I knew that he could, you know, from playing Vampire Masquerade, I knew that he had so many blood pools. I figured we were going to have the way you would mesh the two systems together. Uh, so in a sense, you know, he would have a blood pool and then he could soak up a certain amount of damage by putting blood into that. But the way he was healing seemingly as fast as we were doing damage, I got to be honest, I didn't feel good through that entire fight. That's part of the reason I went up the tree because I just thought, they they don't realize how bad it is going to be, and this could go. I was really surprised that not at least one person from our party didn't die.
1: Yeah, I um, really
4: thought I really thought at least one of us was going to die there because he was an extremely powerful vampire, and when I saw him soak up that much damage, I thought we're not going to take him down.
1: No, the bullets the bullets that round were were massive. He had a natural for those of you that don't play vampire. Um, vampires have an ability to be able to soak a certain amount of damage every turn, like natural body armor. Just the fact that they're dead and their their body can just take these hits. Uh, they blew through that every shot almost, and they were just scoring number after number. And uh, I really had no choice but to go into a healing round for him. But it's funny because the team has that same situation happen in a round or two after that. So we head into the third round. Uh, a lot of damage. Arturo hit heal just be- just before. Face shoots. One other person went before him, I think it was Aveline or whatever, they hit. And Arturo throws this thing called Sight of Soot. And the spell, it it ended up hitting John, Catherine, and Aveline, the three on the ground. Aveline, unfortunately, got hit the hardest. Catherine and Scott's character, Professor John, only took it for two rounds. But it did limit what they could do. So this seemed to be when Arturo looked like he was going to turn the tables on them. Because Noemi was still down at this point. Um, Aveline, how did you feel when the sight of soot happened? Were you concerned for the safety of all those on the ground? Did you think this was going to be the big hit?
2: Sight of soot kind of threw me for a loop, because I was obviously, uh, Aveline was hearing everything going down, like, did going, come on, mate, just die, or something, and (laughs) Catherine was going, nobody bleed to death! (laughs) And all this other shit, and she's just trying to rub this black shit out of her eyes, and she's already like sore and achy and weak from the bloodletting, so it's not a good position to be in. But like, she was worried. But and Aveline's first thought was, "I can't just shoot blind, so I just have to try and get this thing out of my face." But yeah, she was pretty scared.
1: Yeah, that was a that was a situation where I thought uh, that spell had. It, the thing was, two of you had saved uh, Aveline's the only one who failed, but her role on the fail wasn't so bad that she ended up getting hit harder. It kind of balanced out, so it was a couple rounds where people were having a hard time seeing. Uh, stuff still happened, pretty insignificant that round, though, but now bullets are starting to come down. Arturo's hit a few more times, people are starting to get to the point where they're, you know, because of the multiple pulls of the trigger, all kinds of stuff was happening. Faye, this is when you notice the Ilfamilico coming from the burning pit, and running up the beach. This is the point where it all starts to... You know, you're like, you have this decision to make. And it was a tough one. Do I stop the Ilfamilico from getting into hand-to-hand with Professor John and Catherine, who's on the ground near where they're approaching from? And they were banishing weapons. There was two of them. No, they're not tough and everything. But tough enough that if they get in there, they could hurt. You decided to fire at the Ilfamilico and forego on Arturo that round. Why the call? What What went through your head?
0: So my thought was, was the first one to notice, and I was probably going to be the only one to notice until they got down there. Um, and I knew that, you know, Aveline was already hurt so badly. She needed time to heal and she, she couldn't see either. And I figured that with everybody firing on Arturo, they could probably do without me for one round. And I decided to try to take out the Illfamiligo. And I succeeded. I was able to get them both.
5: Yeah, you did. And
0: it was just, you know, it came in where Faye just, she's impulsive. And sometimes that works out in everyone's favor. Because she just, in a split second, was like, all right, let's, I'm going to go after them. Like, I'm the one that can see them. I'm going to be the one that takes them down. And it worked out.
1: The next thing that happens, and I want to address this one to Scott. The next thing that happens is our Noemi breaks out of it. Right, she she becomes alert again, uh, and I think that was um, Sid. Didn't you take a shot at Noemi to kind of, or Catherine did. I'm sorry, Catherine took a shot Catherine at Noemi did, yeah. and kind of gave her an, an ouchie in the in the ass, trying to wake her up. She burned some bullets there. Catherine, before I go to before I go to Scott on this, your whole plan was to try to break this mental hold he had. Where I mean, it must have been exciting when it worked because I hadn't predicted anybody was going to shoot Noemi, so that was an interesting move.
5: My whole, again, I wanted Noemi to take a lot of damage and deal a lot of damage. And she took it. She wasn't dealing it. And I'm like, Noemi, come on. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Show up, girl. So <laughs> represent. <I> represent. <laughs> this is Venice. So, ca- so I capped her in the ass to try and make her mad.
1: Well, it, it definitely woke her up.
5: It worked. So, Keeper, I have a question. Yeah. How did you feel when Faye capped two Ilfamilico at a hundred yards, point blank in the head? When she's not a wow, good shot, it
1: was not a hundred yards. It was. It was. I'm. Jo- I'm. Yeah. I'm
5: joking. I'm just.
1: The the first shot was a crit, and it wasn't a crit. I mean, it was a, a a natural crit, so it was full damage of the gun. So the full damage on her gun is twelve, I believe. So it killed the Ilfamilico. Now they have ten hit points. They're they're multiples of them. They're not meant to be super hardy. She pops him, rolls a crit, hits him. I'm like, okay, next roll she just hit. I'm thinking, somebody's getting smacked because there's no way she'd have to roll a perfect 10 on her damage. And guess what? She rolled a perfect 10. So it felt like it tends to feel in my games for me, Lauren. Thank you for asking that question. It tend to feel like, oh, you write these really great stories and you can't ever hurt anybody. So it's, <laughs> it's just this, because in, in Cthulhu especially, like, in d we would just call this an epic boss fight, everyone high-five. And as a, as a dungeon master, you feel like you challenged the team, you scared the team, good going, you did your job. In Cthulhu, you're telling a story of madness, death, chaos, beyond the cosmos. It's, it's supposed to be these terrible events. And I, I just know that the, some of the Keepers we've interviewed, they're going to keep listening to Cthulhu and Cairo. I'm waiting for the text message. Why can't you kill people? I'm, I'm I don't know I, I, I roll like shit. I mean I had Arturo in a later round dead to rights with schoolie on an 80 melee attack and I rolled an eighty eight. I don't know it just happens <sighs> but enough of what could have been so this round Scott, you are uh, you are blinded so you have some re- uh, restrictions to shooting and the gun jams and yep. this is this is the one where you had to give up the entire round clearing chambers and not doing damage. And as you were doing that, Arturo gives Noemi the beating of her life. You watched his physical hand-to-hand combat skills. What was going through Schooley's head at that moment?
3: I, I mean, from a from a game standpoint, it was it was fortuitous that my my gun jammed then because I took the last round of my uh, my uh, soot face right. of not being able to see anything and cleared the uh, cleared the jam out of the gun. You know definitely handling my weapon, but when he laid into Noemi, oh my goodness, that was just disgusting, you know, just <laughs> like like you described, I believe as ma just opened up and just basically just gored in, into her face, yeah, uh, just basically tearing her apart it was uh it was shocking, and standing on the ground, you know, schoolie was on the ground, everybody's right. talked about trees and this and that and everything i I was at least expecting Noemi to be able to. You know, maybe not take him out. Yeah, you know he's obviously more powerful, but be able to stand there a little toe to toe and us as support. (laughs) So he wanted to be like close to, to sort of give her backup. You know, yeah, Um, is what he was thinking when she went down fast and hard. Yeah, he felt a little exposed.
1: Yeah, the three of the the three on the ground um, definitely had to be feeling that the train's coming. Sid, this was this was a round where you had a couple of uh, big hits as well with the gun. Uh, but then your gun jammed subsequently after that and you had a, a round of clearing to do so with Noemi going down the way she did i you were the one who's mentioned to me both off air and in on the show right now that you were prepared for this fight to go beyond to be big uh to be crippling or, or very damaging the the Noemi scene how'd that play on Sid's head I mean where were, where were you as a player thinking of what was Sid going, going through Sid's mind
4: when he go on top of her and then basically started eating her face off. Yeah. Two things went through my mind that we had seriously underestimated how evil he was, Ooh. the level of hate that he had, because that's his sister that he's doing this to. And he's literally chewing her face off. Right. So there's that thought, and the other thought was holy Christ on a cracker, schoolies on the ground. Abby's on the ground. Kate's on the ground. He's going to be on them next. And what are we going to be able to do to stop them when this woman who we thought would at least be able to keep his attention while we added additional damage could do nothing? I mean, I realized pretty quickly that he was keeping her a lot weaker than we realized. And so that was causing a lot of the problems that she had. But still, it was really hard not to feel – Really, really worried about. I was most worried about Scott because I think Scott was closest.
1: Closest, and I knew explains, that yeah. if
4: he he had all these other disciplines, I figured there's probably a good chance he might have celerity. So that which meant that he could have been on any one of them on the ground before they would have a chance to get away. And good God, what is he going to do to them? And that just sort of, like I said, in my mind, at least one of us was going to die because I just knew that we were going against something that, while unknown. I think in Cthulhu, there's there's really a lot of unknown. With having played vampire and having known how powerful they are, basically they threw human beings around like rag dolls. So if he was doing that to Noemi, what was he going to do to Professor Schoolie? What was he was he going to do to Aveline or, or or Kate?
1: You know, right? And you brought up a point that was sort of hinted at um, in the history of Povelia and how he was taking some people off of the docks uh, in earlier episodes, and they were seemingly healthy people, uh, the Ilfamelico yeah. were only giving Noemi just enough blood to survive. They were letting her go all the way down, keeping her in a state of control. Because if she was fully vested and her blood points were all there, she would go out on a raucous and start whipping these guys left and right. So Arturo exiled her to this island with the instructions of the Ilfamelico to keep her in a state of almost, you know, frenzy, like blood frenzy, like, I gotta feed. So they would feed her very little bits. They'd bleed somebody out enough and then send her to the house with only a few blood points or a little bit of blood left in their body, and she would devour them, but then they'd wait a long time to do it again. So she was really not in in fair health when the fight went off, which was to his advantage. But no, again, it's it, that round, I still thought he might have had a chance. Uh, I thought this was all going to be okay, but guns kept firing. Catherine had a big shot in round five. Noemi gets thrown to the ground. She's bleeding out. She's not in good shape. And then this is where we're going to spend most of the the rest of what we have time. This becomes round six. This is the the round where Faye runs out of bullets. Sid announces he's down to only a couple of shots left. Catherine, you were coming down to the last of your bullets in this round after you fired. You ended the, the scene with like three shots left. And folks at home, they had unloaded clips right i mean at this point guys how many of you had actually been through at least one or two clips everybody right except for fey they yeah. had to reload on a revolver so we're looking and at uh, the story was that they could only bring so much munitions back in the the bag that was made to go through time with them they can only fit so many things so everybody brought a limited amount of resources and ammo and that was really to build the tension and make it so they had to you know thankfully they saved as much as they did But now, resources are becoming scarce. Like, Faye's taking her last shots. It's, I'm out! (laughs) And Faye jumps down from the tree. And this is where, Faye, you said something earlier about going for oil. What what was sort of your plan for Faye at that point if things were going to continue?
0: I have a very high movement rate. And I thought that because I knew that we were running out of bullets and I didn't know... You know, Arturo looked like he was getting weaker and that we were taking a toll on him. But I didn't know how much... More damage we could do. So I was in my head thinking, okay, what is something on this, on either my person or on this island that I could get to quickly that could hurt him? And then I had like a big brain moment where I went, fire, oil and fire. So I decided to try to run back to the house, which I could have made it. Um, My move rate is nine. So I could have gotten there and back within a fairly good amount of time.
1: Four turns, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, however, uh, Arturo had other plans for me.
1: What were they, Faye?
0: Um, <laughs> he shot a spell at me, and right. I don't remember what Curse it did. First of the Striga. did?
1: Yeah, it's yeah it to hurt like hell. Yeah, he was trying yeah, to... he
0: did a pretty good job.
1: He was trying to cripple limbs, uh, and contort you and bend you and make you look like an old haggard crone. But again, saving throw made it, so you were in some agony through turn five, but as turn six entered... You had pretty much brushed off a lot of the spell. Uh, So that was great. Another big role was necessary. You made the role. You know, you these pulp Cthulhu characters are definitely hardier than a regular Cthulhu gang. Probably we would have lost at least two or three investigators with well, maybe with the hit points that they had. Uh, But this is this is the round where. So Faye empties the gun, the the curse of the string is coming off. Arturo makes base contact with John Schooley. So now Arturo has, the way he had to fight was it was two hands, and if both clenched and he was able to succeed with his melee attack, he would come in with the big bite that he did to his sister. He only grabbed John with one hand, and when I went for roll the damage, I think it was two or three points. It was was a It was fairly minor. It was fairly minor. But when he got to you, uh, Scott, you were like, this is the one.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I I think John, uh, when he saw him coming for him, was basically like, you know, we we have we've put a lot of effort into damaging this 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 monster so far. That this is it, and if he was going to get in close, at least John would die. Shoot, you know, shooting him with as many bullets as he possibly could.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, everybody was. I I can honestly say that nobody held back at that this through this fight. Like Aveline, so you pull the trigger six times and hit him 4 out of 6 with three criticals.
2: Yes. So
1: <laughs> besides the happy dance, what else? How how I mean those rolls happen obviously, but, but they happen. <laughs> what as a player who's also never had that happen, could you share with me the euphoria rolling oh. somebody else's <laughs> dice or a dice on an app or whatever you're using? Um, I don't know if you sit there and, and pass them over candles you feed them salami I don't know what it is but what do you how did you feel at that moment because I can tell you I've never rolled three crits out of four rolls and if it if I if any ones I can remember were ones I think I've done three ones in a row that I believe has happened uh, but oh uh, my <laughs> yeah so what was going on how, how it Walk me through that those shots
2: Well, first of all, you need to get essential oils, and you need to pray to the goddess Freya (laughs) in order to achieve such luck. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just kidding. uh, I did almost critically fail on both the failed rolls, if I remember correctly, and I did not get three crits. I got a hard success twice, and I think a critical once. At least that's how I'm recalling it. But either way, it was a moment of... Halle-farkin-luia. Because uh, many times, Aveline has kind of been the clumsy oaf in hand-to-hand combat situations. Like, the fact that she took down Mafuchi by herself was a victory in itself and a kind of a glorious moment for her. But then those shots going off? Amazing. Like... Faye frickin' elbowed Eveline in the nose and knocked her out. And um, she's missed multiple times during the first encounter we've ever had as a group. Uh, I couldn't wrestle a gun away from a criminal, and I just ended up being table girl. But it was a nice moment. Going
1: back to episode two, Uh, this is like episode 36, and you're still a little bit concerned about... Didn't wrestle table the gun girl. and face slapping on the nose with a rolled newspaper.
2: Adelaide sees every mistake <laughs> as a learning experience, but she will always be the harshest critic of herself. And okay. she, like you know that you know those monks who used to flog themselves to recreate Christ's pain. That's yeah. what she does. It's like God damn it, that table. God dang it, Faye would not like go and she wanted to sacrifice herself and then punched me uh katherine getting off the killing shot on that one zealot in episode like five she will always remember those and it's only the she this is like her first epic hallelujah moment
1: speaking of flagellants i'm going to go do down that road before we roll the next big game up uh for dice uh the fight in the himalayas or wherever we go next with the boss fight i will be doing a flagellants offering prior to that so hopefully it'll help me Arturo misses. He only has the one hand. He's kind of holding Schoolie by the shoulder. Aveline sets off a, a, a string of bullets that just, you know, hit him and, and stagger him back. And then wouldn't you know it, who out from the bushes, you know, sends out her small golden pistol like, you know, Scatamanga from James Bond at the, at the Bottoms Up Club and takes the single shot and pulls the trigger. And Catherine, what happens?
5: I crit... I crit and I killed him, Catherine the Lethal Ross. She'll heal your wounds and give you some. Kills Arturo Giovanni. It was a good moment. Was it? No, it <laughs> I was. I him for Absolutely. you.
1: Absolutely. Yes,
5: everyone helped. Everyone helped. Oh no, there's the no na- Yeah. Him. I'm no. just the one that capped him. Absol- Catherine the Capper, they call me. Um, <laughs> Capper. No, it after the emotional and physical horror that. Poor Catherine has been through, popping some evil, evil vampire in the head. He made me wear a skin suit. She was like, awesome. Yeah. This is good stuff.
1: Poetic justice. Yeah. But, so everybody's, there's, you know, the smoke is cleared. Cause I got to tell you, even at boot Hill, there wasn't this much smoke in the air from the amount of bullets that flew. Doc Holliday was off in the corner somewhere with a shotgun try, trying to reload, I'm sure. It, it looked like just the OK Corral or some great standoff. I hear this, I, I imagine, as the keeper, as my one of my players screams, I cut off his effing head. Faye Dawson goes running in with her best Zena. Sid, didn't you drag Sid and John? You dragged Noemi over to start basically healing herself from... Oh yeah. Arturo's yeah, yeah. body. Beat off of him. Yeah, that was th- another big yeah. move, right? I mean, she was starting to repair herself right away. Group yep. overall, yep. Uh, big fight, big re- big re- you know, reactions. Everybody played their role very well. Everybody did the best they could. Hats off to you guys. You survived some pretty brutal spells, crippling stuff. You made the most of the turns that like some of the people that were blinded, they used those turns for reloading. They, you know, they you guys really kept your ammo down in Venice to negligible use. You didn't overdo it. Uh, You came to Bovegli with a plan, implemented the plan, and for the most part, I think it went off without a hitch. So I'm just going to go through real quick uh, and ask everybody before we close this part out since we kind of talked about it. Overall, at this point, favorite chapter so far? So we've done the prologue in England, Berlin, and now Venice. Scott, what do you think? What's
3: your favorite chapter so far? I think I liked Berlin.
1: Berlin, okay. More cloak and dagger, a little bit more cat and mouse. Yeah, Aveline?
3: I
2: think Germany, like we all thought Germany was bad, Germany was creepy. This was a new level of, ah, shit, in the in the gaming world. But yeah, I'm. Aveline is probably never going to go back to Italy after this. That's for sure. So thank you for that.
1: Well, so she'll revisit Germany. There's nothing wrong with that. Germany's a beautiful country. Uh, Also filled
2: with Nazis,
1: but yes. (laughs) Well, only till you know forty. Four, five,
4: 14 years maybe that's it just...
1: <laughs> Catherine how about yourself good for uh, a long obviously time. I don't think Venice became your favorite chapter no no mm-hmm. no <laughs> No.
5: <laughs> um, a very Catherine <laughs> answer just the blunt mm-hmm. no. It
4: should be no Berlin
5: yeah. was where we got to see a lot of character development mm-hmm. for Catherine in that she became less standoffish she healed people she helped people played that supporting role Mm -hmm. and in venice we see her get her ass kicked so does kath do do i have a favorite episode yeah rp wise it's venice does kathen have a favorite episode yeah it's episode one when i was still normal
1: (laughs) when i was standing in front of the barge (laughs) 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 don't be a wallflower
5: girl exactly like i want i want my uncle to diss me again
3: (laughs) What? You know, Venice does have, I think, the, the best moment, in my opinion, that's happened. And Catherine reminds me of that because it really impacted her. My favorite moment was when John asked that question Oh, in the yeah. well. oh my well.
5: God, no. My fiancé. <laughs> my
1: fiancé.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Threatened
2: schoolchildren. He's not your fiancé anymore. He's a sociopath. excuse me excuse me I can tell
1: you I don't think I'm just going to throw this out before I ask the other two what their favorite chapters were when the well was in my head which only happened I think I told you about an hour before we went live I'm like I got this really neat idea how do I want to implement it and it came to me give me a secret I'll tell you a secret and then John asks for that I I know as players there are times when I look at my dungeon master or my keeper or storyteller and we do something really clever or we think through it and we get this really great idea, and we throw it to the dungeon master, and sometimes he goes, "No, nah, it's not going to work." Well, well, why not? When I at the well, I as a keeper, I was very proud of the fact that I gave the information I did because everything in my soul screamed, "It's too early. Like, <laughs> don't reveal that yet." <laughs> <laughs> so. I had this devil on my shoulders screaming at me, please tell them something wrong. I'm like, I don't know. Because even Scott and I talked when he said, (laughs) you know, when he said, who is Caravaggio, I think, or so however you phrased it, I could have said, he was an artist. Right. And you were like, I can't believe that you (laughs) gave me the real name. I'm like, I know. I I just felt like you had so played the moments well. And you guys have done so many good, positive things throughout the stories and throughout Venice and in Berlin, and you've worked well together, that there had to be that... The video of it was amazing, because everybody just looked at the camera like, What? It was great. But uh, yeah, that was pretty I special. That was pretty I, fun.
5: I, I totally screamed.
1: Yes. You I did.
5: lost my shit. And didn't Catherine faint our stalwart, sturdy-as-old-boots um, woman? I don't
1: know. I think, I think she I think, has to be pulled away from there. I may I may, be. I think, Maybe
5: I may have fainted, or collapsed. I think it was a collapse. I think I carried her away.
4: I carried I her down to the right.
1: docks.
5: It was it was a lot. Venice. Yeah, she, has been I hard. think you
1: put her on your oh. back and she screamed on Concord.
5: <laughs> right on Concord. <laughs> oh my god! I, I, I seem to keep
1: having to carry her
4: places. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> she hates I, to walk. No,
5: uh, it's the it's the
0: uncomfortable shoes of right. the time. So you know f- what? I think everybody here has been carried by Sid at least once. John, it's your turn.
3: <laughs> so no, John's gonna carry. My me. turn. My turn to carry Sid. Sure. No, in, the, him- in the Himalayas.
0: <laughs> in the Himalayas. <laughs> Keeper.
3: i oh, weep gently into his
4: shoulder. Hold me, big boy. Hold me tight. Keeper. Yeah.
5: I will give you... Call
1: me, call me your gingerbread man.
5: I will give you money. Whoa. Stop.
1: Taste my candy buttons.
5: <laughs> wow. No.
1: This,
5: is, this is gone somewhere. But yes. Keeper, I will give you money, money or pizza or something. Mm. My My undying love, which you already have because you're my dad... But, um, if you, in the Himalayas, for some reason, make Sid hoist, schoolie. Oh, Jesus Christ.
1: Hoist. 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 So, so, Faye, what was your favorite chapter so far in this story? I I have a feeling it's not Berlin.
0: Um, well... (laughs) I was thinking about it, and, you know, at first, I was thinking, like, screw Berlin. Berlin hurt me so bad, but Berlin made me grow. I was able to explore Faye's character a lot because, you know, she had never... She's gotten into some pretty dicey situations, but never like that. Right. She's never been kidnapped before. She's never been... Shot. You know, brutally attacked. Yeah, never been shot, never been brutally attacked within an inch of her life. Thank you for bringing all that up. (laughs) you know i really i really enjoyed um venice and i mean there was a lot of stuff that happened to Faye in venice too but i think that growth wise i think that berlin was probably the best because it kind of pushed me to really figure out like how Faye would interact with a scene like that and um you know she she stuck to her gun she didn't give anything up she was thinking i have the power they might think I don't have any power here, but I have power in that I'm not going to reveal anything that I don't want to reveal. Right. And if, you know, I go down, I go down. But at least the people I came here with aren't going to go down.
1: Yeah, there's been two big Melinda so, moments for me uh, in in this game and then in Hellfire Nights, uh, which is a gratuitous plug. In this game, I love Faye when she's, uh, she's at the hotel, she wakes up, Aveline's not there, and the first thing she does... <laughs> just sort of to get even is she rummages through her luggage. Like I'll show you. And she starts tearing the luggage apart. I thought that was total fay. Like I'll show you to leave me here half out of my mind and not know where you are and make me worry. You know,
2: I resented that I was looking for a hairbrush. You were trying to find yeah. dirt on me.
0: Oh yeah. Well, you know what? I resented being drugged and left in some God knows what town in. You Southern would have Germany. insisted to come back with me woman. Such I caring, would,
4: such love.
0: I would have thought about it, and I probably would have stayed. Okay. That's a, it was okay. for your own
3: good statement. Exactly.
1: And the other one <laughs> yeah. is, if you do listen to the other show at all, there's a scene called The Great Shushing. Uh, I believe it's an episode of five or six. That is a total Mel moment. So if you'd like to know a little bit more about Melinda and who she is in real life, just listen to The Great Shushing. Uh, you can't miss it. It's, it's it's clearly it's clearly pointed out in the episode, and the other player has t- texted me about ten times how he's forgiven the shushing, but that was her free shushing. Like I'm not going to take another shushing. So so Joel with Sid, um, Sid you you're an Egypt file. You love Egypt. I know all that. You love the concept of Cairo coming up and the things going on. But so far oh, yeah. prologue, Berlin, Venice. What, what's hit SIB the most or where have you as a
3: player enjoyed it the most?
4: I, I think as far as the campaign goes, I like Germany the best and, and Berlin because that's where we went from a group of people who were sort of on an adventure together to being becoming a team of people who cared about each other and had each other's backs. A lot happened in Germany that caused that to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the only person who had that level of growth after that was um i think Aveline had a tremendous amount of growth at the very end of that episode and definitely um through this episode and the things that she did in 1349 i think that was her great growth moment but we really understand where she's coming from right uh, in a lot of ways with the children and everything but for the most part, for me, I really liked how everybody started to gel and started to really work together and care about where we were going and and how we all made out. How everybody came around Faye when Faye went through what she went through. and That horrible keeper and the things he did to her was just brutal.
1: Just brutal. So one of the things about Berlin, Joel, and I wanted to touch on this was you were finalizing thoughts. We had left several people in the dark about your fate for, ooh, seven, eight days, I think, because yeah. Um, yeah. they didn't know. And we you had actually gone ahead and made a comment that you had rolled another character, uh, which made a auto like, yeah, yeah, Otto. Otto. Yeah, Otto. <laughs> that is the exact moment you're talking about, like things like that when he comes through the door and the team reacts, you know, in Stuttgart, and they're like, oh my God, it's, you know, Sid's alive. But, I mean, the players kind of had a hunch by then, but the the characters themselves seeing him and, And the idea that when Aveline goes out, you know, and she comes back in the morning, uh, there's a scene in Venice where she just grabs some fruit. And it's like, what's wrong with Catherine? Uh, Spoke to a well, told the secret, didn't like the answer. Okay. Kind of goes, she walks through through the dining room and goes to bed because she's been out all night trying to find, you know, answers to Catherine's problems. It's like Catherine had a meltdown, talked to a well. Things didn't go, you know, things were all screwed up. Oh, okay. Walks away. Um, But it's that camaraderie you're talking about. Like in the prologue, like you said, five unique individuals thrust together to a problem. But in Berlin, they became a team. And I agree. I think that's the the special part of Berlin with the story that you guys have helped me create. That's where everybody starts to say, oh, here's the cadre, here's the group. And in Venice, it showed. I mean, just the concern for one another, checking up on people, you know, the stuff that happened with Faye with her half-sister and... You know this this woman that's come into her life, and all these whore. things. <laughs> whore! I hear screamed in the background. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the whore. But uh, yeah, it's it was a growth period in Berlin, and this is more. You know, Venice is far more of the the darker Cthulian cult angle. So, uh, but it'll be interesting to see where we go after this. But players, uh, my hats off to all of you. It was an amazing, amazing fight, you guys. Dice were with you. The fates have guided you so far. It's It was a great thing. I I made Arturo super tough. If it wasn't for good dice rolls, we were definitely going to have somebody go down. I, I knew it was going to be a major fight. But it had to be because Venice was such a big chapter. Uh, I'm glad you all survived it. It's a lot of fun. I'm, I'm hoping it's made for great radio. Thank you all for doing this. Um, Sid, Faye, Catherine, Aveline, John. Like I said, can't run this. Can't do it without you guys. You're the voices that people tune in every week to hear folks at home listening we're going to have one more or roughly uh episode to close out venice and do some things that the players wanted to do before jumping back through time which we're going to record right now for you but thank you for listening to this we hope it uh turned out the way we wanted the way you would want and uh we'll see you next time so from all of us here good night good night players
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. You can like, share, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The music you're listening to is Return of the Mummy by the great Kevin McLeod. Join us next time to see where our intrepid explorers find themselves next.